special guest who will remain a mystery for a bit. It's time once again to stop your reading and reflecting and begin dining and discussing with us. The candles are lit, the table is set. The lovely WIOX staff is standing by to feed us this evening. They have prepared some very lovely, lovely, lovely uh, cuisine. Um, tomato soup made with very special tomatoes, uh, brought in fresh yeah. on a private jet from northern Italy, mm. prepared by the Julian. Here I am. I, I put the in front of it because right, so, the on. way he whipped up the tomatoes is suspicious, and the Julian is appropriate. All right, so it's in three mugs. Okay, who wants cheese in their, uh, in their tomato soup? I strongly recommend you do. Uh, we have a show of hands. We have, we have, uh, right. You know what? It's, I think it's right. Proper. I think you should do your own sheet. Oh, yeah. I see. Oh, oh. It's okay. Uh, you uh, mystery, the mystery, surprise, mystery, Julian. Mystery uh, guest, you should do your own cheese. Our table is a Twitter with our guest. His yes. name is Ray. We call him the Ray Gun. He oh, has. No, has uh, anybody ever called you the Ray Gun? No, they have not. <laughs> That's uh, the first time. <laughs> the Ray Gun is back from World Journeys. He might be the most sophisticated guy at the table, not just tonight, but anyway. <laughs> So uh, he will uh, be uh, regaling us with tales of the beyond. And Julian also is back from a depressing black <laughs> trip into the heart of darkness, and he might be depressing us with his No, stories. no, it was full it, of joy. No, it was depressing. You went to Auschwitz. Oh, I, who at hard, this table would to go to Auschwitz for a vacation with their daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that she learned her lesson. What are you saying uh, about that? Um, anyway, this is going to be an exciting evening. I, I hope that everybody joining us for dinner has a good appetite, not only for food, but for ideas. Um, actually, I've, I've got an idea that I want to uh, ask uh, Ray and Julian about, and it's this. I had an experience in northern Italy once on a, on a motorcycle ride that I survived, uh, stopping at a truck stop. And at that truck stop, I had one of the best meals I had ever had. And it's not surprising in the, in the day truck stops were the place to be. But this, this kind of defined Italian cuisine. And Where were uh, you in Northern Italy? It was, we were in the Lake District, Lago di Garda. Oh. And um, oh, you we had come out you of were, Austria. You were fancy, weren't you? I remember you used to be a fancy guy before we came here. Uh, well, I can still go high and low, Julian. <laughs> um, in spite no, of but you really were a fancy guy before you came here. In spite of evidence to the contrary. Right. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the idea is this, that 
um, these little fillets of uh, veal came out, and they were perfectly grilled and smoked. And I was so impressed that after eating them, I asked uh, our waiter if I could go to the kitchen and talk to the chef for a minute. And it was, of course, certainly. How do you say that in Italian, Julian? What, what How do you say, of course, certainly in Italian? You could say certo. Can you put your ma mouth You could closer? say certo. Yeah. Certo. That's what they said. So I went back there, and the chef was an old grandmother. And, uh, and I uh, explained to her how much I adored her fillets and how did she cook them. Uh, I knew they were grilled somehow, but the grill marks were very peculiar. <laughs> and they were semicircular grill marks. And she took me out back, and there was a bed spring, and she was throwing little grapevines on it, which gave oh. it smoke. She was grilling on her old bed spring that she had probably made her children on. You know? <laughs> they don't throw anything away in Italy, do they? Um, but the point is that I want to ask the two of you world travelers is, is this. I have often found that the food served in country isn't nearly as good as what you get at either a truck stop or, you know, at good restaurants in America. Like Indian food is much better at an Indian restaurant in London or in New York than it is in New Delhi. And mm -hmm. Chinese food is much better, you know, in, in San Francisco or lower Manhattan than it is in Beijing. What, have you ever had seen or am I? Am right. I I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the great gourmet. But by the way, we're eating some of this wonderful bread that Mr. Burnett made. But I, after he telling that story, I'm a little nervous about where he prepared it. <laughs> um, but um, I... We'll put 20 questions yeah. in a little bit. <laughs> I, I have to say in Italy, the thing that surprised me a couple of times, we I stayed at... I was traveling with a group. We were at a hotel, and our meals were included. So we'd have a dinner that was fixed for, like, I remember this one place. must have fixed it for about 80 people. And the food was really quite good for something prepared for where, that where, many people. Where were you? Uh, uh, this was in a town called Formia, which is kind of between Rome and Naples. Mm. It was an old uh, royal villa, apparently. And we, we get to the hotel late at night, and I'm going, what's that automobile noise outside my window? Well, it was dark. The next morning, I look and it's the ocean or, you know, the oh, sea or whatever. And it was a wonderful spot. And then there was a place in Montecatini Terme, it was oh, called. You said that so well. I know, didn't I? Will you say that again? Montecatini. Uh, <laughs> there was a town outside of Florence, Montecatini Terme, because mm. there was Montecatini Alto, which was like up a hill like quite a ways. And Terme is a, is a, is a, a hot spring. Yeah, yeah, and it's full of, it's like Saratoga, mm -hmm. you know, it made me think of Saratoga. I hope it's not like Saratoga, I hope it's nothing like Saratoga. Yeah, well, actually, I think one place is open because we went in February. One of my things is I tend to travel <laughs> off-season, so a lot of things are closed. Um, but again, I was impressed at, you know, they're preparing this mass quantity of food, and that it was pretty decent, but... You know, so um, I when you mentioned the Italian, um, I, I remember going so to one of these Italian. In Italy. I, in Italy, definitely yes, I, I would say favor, so. Ray? I, I hope it's not asking too much, but when when I open my restaurant, um, <laughs> would, would you be the waiter just for one night, and and I'll have a special called the Monte 
Montecatini. Montecatini. <laughs> well, you have to say this. Okay. But I want it to be a crustini. So could you say the blah, 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 crustini? Oh, Montecatini, crustini? Ooh, yeah. That's very good. <laughs> they will fly. <laughs> they will fly off the silver platter. You're oh, I'm hired. Sure well. for that. Oh, I'm sure it will. Okay. So I, when is your restaurant opening? It's going to open sometime in 2018. Okay. Oh, is it? It's not this year. No, 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 no. This, I, I need to get an infrastructure, we're gonna, we're gonna a chef so, de cuisine. We're going to be so bored of it before it opens. <laughs> I hope so. I, <laughs> I want to get the expectations very low. Yeah, um, but there are a few surprises. But the bread them. is very good. Yeah, this is, you do do a very good so, focaccia. Uh, yes, it's a focaccia, and mm -hmm. it's yeah. with rosemary, and it's fresh baked, and it's, cr it's, it's very a little, good. It's a little crunchy. Yeah, but oh, then yeah. also a little soft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's just it's a very good balance. Mm. So okay. we're chewing in your ears. I hope you yeah. don't but of mind course, that. But you actually can't eat your own focaccia, can you? Um, that is one of the what great paradoxes. What happens if you do eat your own focaccia? Uh, and you oh, can, can do make, make sound effects. Do you like me to do that? <laughs> Let me lower the microphone. Do it with sound effects. Eat. Do we have that B BBC sound effects uh, record? <laughs> I, if you can imagine pudding coming out your nose, a bubbly kind of... Out of your uh, nose? Out of, it, no, this, imagine What comes noise. out of your nose? Imagine a noise oh, of pudding. pudding in your nose. There would be and where bubbling, <clears throat> and then there would be some spurts because you where cough a little bit through your nose. <clears throat> But you bring that down into your lower intestine. That's what and happens. that's what a gluten intolerance, uh, that's just the beginning. So bubbling, but there's also squirting. And there, there could be there's uh, a... inappropriately uh, squirting. Whoa. Is it, is it and, controllable squirting or yeah. is, it, is it unmanageable well, squirting? Um, <laughs> it, it depends upon what you like. You know, there no. is control, but you can. I'm trying to eat here, guys. <laughs> Um, thank you for your interest in gluten intolerance. <laughs> for everybody else, at the you know, table, I, nobody has any yeah, interest in gluten intolerance. That issue. <laughs> um, no, we're a, we're a small group. Uh, we suffer proudly, but we uh, we do not hold it against other people that still love the gluten. And but but you know what? Maybe one of those reasons. Back to the original subject. Maybe one of those reasons that some of those cuisines that when you go there, <clears throat> they turn out not to be what you anticipate or whatever is that we have this thing in America of taking poverty food and, um, and lionizing it yeah. or whatever. Whereas when you go to the country in place, they're cooking with terrible, they're cooking with whatever ingredients they can get hold of, they're doing whatever. So you're like, well, well that's, this doesn't work or whatever. But the idea of lionizing poverty food is kind of ironic, isn't it? Oh, Ray. Um, <laughs> Help him, Ray. Help him. Such Someone a, such step a big in. idea that... Um, <laughs> I've, I've got to come up to speed for a moment. Oh. Julian, I've you, got to take my sweater off. I, I, just my own talking is making me hot. might be called peasant food. I don't know if that's what he means by oh, poverty yeah, food. food. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, I, I would add this, that poverty food, which I've never heard food referred to as poverty well, I just food made it before, um, is the noble opera that people that, that lack the ability to go in and buy a two-inch thick veal chop will do to take what they've got in front of them and make it something that is honorable, graceful, beautifully presented. And edible. And, and worthy of <laughs> and the life it makes. All those things you said, um, honorable, graceful. When I, when I mentioned a two-inch veal <laughs> chop, Julian just took his <laughs> ski pants off to show off his veal his chops. Two inch, his well, two-inch veal chop. So, no, it, I don't know how to describe those pants. Come on, They're Ray, sort of on. gold lame felt. They are lame, exactly, but they're a little felt. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> if you caught a Dorado 
in the Sea of Cortez, <laughs> and before it died, it has that shimmery thing about it, you know, how mm -hmm. a fish has that wonderful color before uh, it dies. Okay, yeah. Right before it died is what we just saw on June. You know, I picked them up in England because whenever we go to, uh, we rent these houses in the middle of nowhere, and whenever we do it, we go to the local charity shop mm -hmm. because England's old high streets are all only charity shops now. Like, everything else has gone out to the box stores or whatever, so it's just one charity shop after another. Wow. And we have, we, give, we have a £10 um, budget. Yeah. Each person gets given £10. And then we have to buy a costume that we're then going to spend the rest of the week in the house doing whatever. And these were bought from that. Very good. And what's it like to live in those for a week? Do they start to walk on the, their own? They... You know what? They've never been washed. Uh, they animate all on their own. It's kind of <laughs> like... Your Frankenstein LeMay pants. Yeah. You know, they've become, they become quite notorious. I've worn them in many different places. Um, well, mm. I'm glad that you're proud of that. Just... But he still hasn't washed them? <laughs> no. Well, you know what? They might have been washed, actually. I don't wash many things, including myself. I'm <laughs> self-cleaning. I'm a self-cleaning person. <laughs> I am self-cleaning. Why is everybody scoffing at that idea? I'm self-cleaning. How does that work? That's a description. What you were doing was scoffing. Yeah, yeah I know. Okay, I'm so sorry they... about that, but I, I didn't really mean it as scoffing. Just, I'm picturing you like a cat, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't lick myself. Okay. When I first moved to Manhattan as a young man, I was in the subway in the 70s. It was the time when Bernie Getz was acting out, and we had a mm -hmm. mayor named Abe Beam. And people were a little bit off the rail. It was The town was poor. It was about ready to go beyond bankruptcy into madness. And um, it was my introduction from the Midwest to a big city. And I got into the subway, one of my first rides, after finding out that you had to put the token in the turnstile mm. rather than give it to the conductor. And <laughs> so I went through the first time ass over tea kettle and ended up being laughed at. Oh, and the conductor. That's so sweet. I, I thought it's like it you're on a Viennese tram. Well, so after I got used to getting on without shaming myself, I was sitting there politely raised by good Midwest Protestant parents. And next to me was a lady who was giving herself a spit bath. Oh, wow. Uh, just like a cat does it, licking her yeah. paws and then wiping her cheeks. And there was stuff to wipe off. I mean, right. she, she had been in the dirt. And, uh, and I looked at her because I was fascinated. And I didn't know the rules of New York. You never look at crazy people because they will look back at you. And she grinned, and and her <laughs> mouth didn't have too many teeth, in right. it, and the gums were a little bit discolored. Mm. And out of her bosom, Ooh. which she, it was big, and, and she was proudly showing it, mm. jumped a lizard. Oh, <laughs> came right out, came right out. Expecting you know, we could all make up stories like this. You're like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Lizard, parrot, desert. I got to come up with something. <laughs> okay, your turn. <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no. What? You can't do that. No, yes, no, no. Julie, So yeah, there yeah. I was on the subway. Yeah. No, no, no. You're no. wearing the pants to make up. But really, came out a uh, lizard, really? It really did. Mm. Yes. And um, at that point, I learned to walk into the subway with a jar of kimchi Whoa. and open it. Whoa. And people would then give oh, yeah. me all the space I needed. <laughs> <laughs> I was from the Midwest, but I learned quickly. Um, but spit is kind of nasty, isn't it? You wouldn't really want to... You wouldn't really want to wash with spit. No, I don't think so. Well, kind of smelly and nasty. Um, I can tell you that as a, a person who's an archivist, and I've, I've dealt with some historic preservationists, and I worked with a woman who um, they had this model. I want to say it was of the State Ed building, but it was some model that needed to be cleaned. Yeah. You clean it with spit. 
Oh. Why? She used Q-tips. Apparently, that's the best thing without saliva. causing is using saliva yeah. to clean it. She used a Q-tip, and apparently there's something in the there's something in saliva. That is, apparently, uh, yeah. I mean, and th- this is not someone who was prone to telling tall tales yeah. and all this stuff out because I, I think I'd heard that, and she said, "Oh yeah, I did that for that," you know. My goodness. So mothers, you just use a Q-tip and wet it, and then just mothers use it. lick their children to clean them, at least in the animal. Well, world. They, yeah, in the animal world, yeah, and yeah. There yeah. must be well the, in the human world they spit on a handkerchief or I know, something or, i know i know but that's why, but that's why we're all traumatized because yeah. oh, because yes. our mothers advanced <laughs> on us with with kleenex in their sleeves spit, yeah. Go, uh, like this <laughs> <laughs> this show needs to be visual i i didn't have a mother like that she preferred us to be dirty than to spit clean us oh my mom was totally worried about me being clean i had an aunt that washed my mouth out with soap oh yeah 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 you had that 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 weird carbolic stuff or whatever i went to boarding school too so everybody was always washing something or somebody's mouth you were punished in boarding school Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I went what? to boarding school, like old school boarding school, like Tom oh. Brown school days boarding school. The, the Dickensian. Yeah. Oh, I bet you got the, you know, what beat out of you. Lots of beings. Lots of, no, you know what? I'm a, I I was careful about escaping most of that. You were clever. You know, the beatings and everything from teachers, <clears throat> you didn't really have to worry about because it was just ritualized violence. And it was part of the game mm. to try to mm. avoid it. And if you were caught, you were like, ah, I got mm. caught. Even the dodgiest stuff, even the... Even the stuff that now gets people in serious, serious trouble. Oh, yeah. We just took it with a pinch of salt. Sure. We knew that certain of the, like, old masters were, like, people who, you, who like, oh. did stuff. And you're like, ah, he caught me or whatever. Yeah. But um, the stuff you had to avoid was violence from, uh, from other boys. Yes. Yes, you did have to run, right? That was the best strategy. Because they ruled the school. Yeah. And teachers were just, like, so a bunch of chumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no. but oh, boys all together, because it's all boys military yeah. boarding school. Right. But boys all left together. It truly is Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> it well, is. I'm glad that you survived yourself, Julian. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although now I know I, there must be hordes of people moving around the world who are so traumatized by that experience that they've never got past it. Oh, well, my heart goes out to them. I hope they're writing books or suing <laughs> somebody. Uh, that's the way it works yeah. these days. Did you ever have a bad experience uh, in school getting beat up or uh, traumatized? Where, where did you go to school? Well, you... I went to school in Galhai. Oh, you did? And you know something? I Nothing really bad. My worst experience involved a teacher, just and it wasn't anything physical. It was just humiliating me over some piece of, of artwork, which a teacher nowadays would look at and go, Wow, that's really imaginative because right. it's so different. Right. But no, this was an old school. I was drawing something that didn't, you know, because... I didn't really know what I was drawing. And so, I, you know, I've always kind of had a little bit of, you know, I hope she's roasting someplace, you know, attitude toward her more so than um, um, with the Can kids. we name names? We should name names. <laughs> she dad, her name was Mrs. Gregory. Mrs. And Gregory. She's like, roasting well, somewhere. The thing is, real. otherwise, I remember not having that bad an experience with her, but that one incident just blew any of the good stuff out did and it stop you from ever doing art again not really but i was never that good at it so I, well i always but, think of you as an archivist artist yeah and you've but a, and i wonder how much of what, what you tell us about is the stuff of imagination or are you always very true to the facts and the documents or do you when you do your narratives do you kind of oh, do you embroil no, you're talking about like as historian or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i i I'm very, I'm very particular that generally if I'm presenting some history, 
I want it to be factual. If it's speculation, you know, if it's theorizing, I like to say that. The whole bovina butter served at the White House, you know. That's, that's not, not fact. That's not true. Well, we don't know. We no. don't know. But everybody says it like it's... Yeah, like it's, but I have yet to find the Is that evidence, your fault that they all say that? But, uh, no, I basically, you know, I see it, you know, if you Google it on the web, you'll find that. It's the first thing and, uh, But the, the only documented evidence was it was said to have been served. Uh. So that makes you wonder. But given that bovina butter was so high quality, I think it's very possible it was. It may be one of those things you're never going to be able to prove. I think but you're absolutely going to be able to prove it. I don't know why I was thinking about this today, but I was thinking, you know, there, there's movies out there, you know, historical, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're supposed to be historical. Mm. And sometimes I, it drives me really crazy when they go so far from the history, when the history itself is really pretty fascinating. And, um, you know, Braveheart just made me crazy because he mm. changed so much in that, you mm. know. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, as a historian, I like to try to. So you don't you know, embroider. No, if I'm going to embroider, I kind of say I'm going to embroider. Right, but then I we, really, f we forget immediately afterwards, and we take everything that you said for the next two hours as being as, as absolute gospel. gospel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you whisper the embroidery bit. Um, like, that reminds me of a tour guide the first time I ever went to England. Um, he was an American guy, and he'd, um, he'd point out a historic site, and sometimes he'd forget. And so he would just say, oh, and that was built by Richard III. So we went by a <laughs> nuclear power plant, and so he said, who built that? Richard III. So... <laughs> You know, I have admired what you do uh, as a historian archivist in our area uh, since I first knew you many years ago. Um, and I haven't studied the dark arts of uh, keeping track of documents the way you have. Uh, and there is a bit of magic to it, and I've heard you throw that out. I like the dark arts. Um, but I, I think of you somewhat as a time traveler who, who goes back kind of as a stranger into a, the strange land and, and makes narrative out of all of these little documented mm -hmm. uh, pieces of, I mean, a lot of people would say that what you put your hands on are the sort of the regular byproduct of our legal, commercial, administrative, or social culture. You put those together into a narrative and make it happen. You That's know, very well put. Well, thank way. you, because I also think metamorphically speaking that it's their secretions <laughs> of an organism. <laughs> That we are secreting. Oh, we're back again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We're secreting bits Thank and pieces God. of evidence of our well, existence. And, and then you go back and you touch them. And like Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, you put them into a shape right. that makes sense. Um, alone, they make no sense. That's reminding me that there, there's one of the first things after I retired and I was doing some historical research and I found the story of these two ministers in Bovina that one sued the other for slander. Well, and the whole I've case was story. very fascinating. Yeah. I still know there's an element missing to the whole story mm. that I cannot find because mm. I don't know why it suddenly went from being a case of, oh, no, I didn't say that to proving what he right, said. Right, right. Something happened. And these guys spent 15 years after all this across the street from each other. And I found one little newspaper evidence that was a hint that there was still spatting right. going on between the two ministers. But it's like. There's a missing element to that story, and I think it happens with history quite often, particularly local history, when people, you know, think they don't think to document. Right, you know, right, why right. would they? You know, right. they got to go on with their lives, and so that story. I'm always kind of like I've told the story, but there's a missing element to it that I would That's love right. to have turn up in a diary or something like that. You know, and yeah. it hasn't happened yet. It will. You did. Yeah. Are there mysteries that you? Other mysteries that are like juicy but unanswered, like haunts or ghosts or murders or 
suicides that never had an answer. You know, back in the day when mm. everybody was isolated and creepy. Yeah, you know, the thing is, I found with most of the, like, like, like the, uh, the murders, I work at the County Historical Association, and we were going through some photos of a bunch of murders in, like, 1940. There were three murders oh, in Delaware amazing. County in 1940. Mm-hmm. And, but yet, when you look at them, they're really all very just out there. You know what, you know, one case of the jealous you know, husband killing his estranged wife, and another Perfect. was a guy who just snapped, you know? Perfect. And you kind of know that. Yeah. So Perfect. now you get into the 19th century, and, you know, usually they were pretty upfront about if someone committed suicide, yes, yeah, someone took their own life. They were pretty upfront about it. I always got a kick out of it. Sometimes they, if someone, like, dropped dead, they would say, so-and-so dropped dead today. <laughs> and because they literally were walking along the street, and <laughs> they fell. They, wow, they, they dropped so, dead. That's so old school. Now. Yeah. It's like a dog. Yeah. Bam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you'll see stuff like that. Um, uh, in that, so it's uh, yeah. There's always going to be some of those mysteries out there, and you know, I, I, I'm actually kind of if yeah, someone did invent a time machine, oh, I'd wear that thing out. <laughs> I, no, back to you. Um, I, I've always admired how you know it is such a tangle, this tangled embodiment of human evidence and non-human evidence. You know, the, the, the objects left behind and so on, mm. and the job aside from collecting them and keeping them. Uh, to make sense out of it. And and you do these wonderful stories about our ag tradition and our cemetery tour. You do a cemetery tour. And um, and you talk about families. And, and, and then you, t- you talk about themes of betrayal and uh, how certain human emotions have been with us forever yeah. as evidenced by this tangled mass of documentation that you lord over. Now, Tell us a little bit about this museum of evidence that you have. When you walk in, does it speak to you like in a, a special effect out of Hollywood? Did you hear a creepy little <laughs> look at me? How look can at you me. possibly yeah, answer that question? I mean, it really depends on the object sometimes, you know, that, that you're looking at. And because that's one of the problems when you're going through like an old estate and stuff like that, you, you, people will come to us with old things to donate. And so immediately we want to know well, how did you get it? Um, you know, do you know, was it made here? Was it used here? Um, you know, and sometimes people will bring us stuff and we end up putting it on social media. What the heck is this? Cause we don't know. Mm. Can you give us an example? Well, it's hard to, without you yeah. seeing it. Um, judge Becker came in with this very odd looking tool that could have been a brush, but it wasn't quite that. It, it sort of, how, reminded big, how, big, how big was it? About, you know, about like five, five by five or something like that. It had oh. a handle. It had a handle. Yeah. And, you know, it could have been almost used as a paddle thing. It, um, to, I'm really bad at describing to, this thing. To discipline misbehavior. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where you could come up with all kinds of Maybe you know, it's a private, stories a private about thing. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually tend to kind of go to the, the simplest thing. It was some kind of tool. It might have been for carding wool. We uh-huh. have some suspicions yeah. of that, but we're not sure. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago, the Historical Society back in the 70s did something where they had people bring things to guess what they were. Mm. And I remember Marjorie Russell brought something that had everyone stumped, and it ended up it was a, it was a hat stretcher. Really? Mm. Yeah. Stretcher. And I so, think it's still, I think the Historical Society still has it. Mm. And, and it's just a round thing that goes in a hat, and then you turn this handle, and it slowly stretches out the hat if the hat's a little bit, you know. um, Ray, excuse me for a moment. (laughs) That that raises an interesting question in my mind. 
because I do not see people's heads growing in the 21st century. No. Right. Was that, did they suffer I think from some sort of encephalitis? Or no, I think it's more that here's grandpa's hat. We're going to let you wear it now. And grandpa maybe had a smaller well, head than well, grandson. Uh, yeah, or maybe the hat shrank. Uh, why, yeah. Why would that happen? happen? If the hat got wet, it got wet, because it got wet, dried. Ah. Thank you, Julian. Yeah, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to bail you out. It's not that. You, you've been on the spot for long enough. Now. <laughs> yes, I have. I, I was hoping there was a psychic phenomenon to the old people and how their heads would grow and shrink and st or whatever. But a uh, hat, hat stretcher. Yeah, hmm. that's what it was called. It was a hat stretcher. Were there other types of stretchers back then, like for pants or for I think it was I think for, those people. For boots? They had them for boots? They yeah. had boot stretchers. There were people stretchers. And that was called the rack, wasn't no, it? Uh -huh. <laughs> that was called a second helping, mm -hmm. which I see you are throwing down that pie hole. So good. Like um, so good. Julian's eating that focaccia. Like um, yeah. I do want to, by the way, say that the soup, Julian, is very good, too. Oh, good. Oh, oh yeah, the soup didn't really get shared, out, did it? Well, so we're like... Yeah, <clears> yeah we didn't out. mention the yeah. soup. Yeah. That's the best part of the tickler, is eating young. <laughs> mm. Eating on the air. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Julian, praise. But the soup yep. is very good. Praise be to your soup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's really good. Mm. And it's all organic wow. and healthy, too. Right? Is it all organic? I don't know. It, it might be all organic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How did you make it so creamy? Um, well, there's no cream involved. Yeah, but it's uh, cream-like. You know, if you use uh, white rice as a as a thickener, because people usually use potato or whatever, and then yeah. you get that weird flowery potatoey texture. Yeah. Now, if you use white rice, so all it is is tomatoes, garlic, a little bit of carrot, some garam masala, some mm -hmm. thyme, mm -hmm. some beef broth. I think that's about it. When I have my restaurant, right. will you be the waiter for one night and say <laughs> um, tomato? Tomatoes. This is like a ground on. He's going to have all these waiters for one <laughs> night. Know, Probably yeah. because after one night, there is only going to be one them, night. You know? There is only going to be one night. <laughs> oh, actually, it might be quite the success, but people might not come back for the food, but they'll come back for the accent. Right. Say tomato again. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I'll say it to you privately in the car on the way home. <laughs> no, you have deprived the table. <laughs> And, you know, we hate depriving, and we don't deprive. Um, Hi, Jeff Centerman, host of Catskill Digest and executive director of the Catskill Center, a supporter of WIOX, here to tell you about an exhibit of immersive photographs, blending multiple images taken from digital photography, video, and 3D imaging to create 360-degree views of natural sites around the Catskills. Catskill 360 at the Earth Gallery in Arkville, opening an artist reception Saturday, April 1st from 2 to 4 p.m. Details at 845-586-2611 or catskillcenter.org. WIOX is supported by Willow Dray Farm in Andes, an open pastoral setting for year-round corporate events, artistic retreats and weddings, pond-side ceremonies, an 1,800-square-foot reception pavilion, and meadows for up to 300 guests set among rolling hills and mountain views. More details about the facilities and nearby accommodations for overnight guests at willowdrayfarm.com, willowdreyfarm.com. WIOX is supported by The Great American, a full-range supermarket in Prattsville. Family-owned and operated for more than 10 years. Great American, located on Main Street in Prattsville Plaza. Open Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., Sunday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. The, um, the secretions of a people are the business of an archivist. And 
I am wondering, Ray, uh, what attributes does an archivist have that you would want to see cooked into a meal? Something, I mean, <laughs> is it spicy or is it It just sweet? gets more, more and more problematic, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. What is it um, going to be? Uh, well, I guess like with a bread, you want good leavening. Uh, oh, very good. Very good. That was very good. So I, I guess that's what I would think about. Yeah. You know, so it probably depends on the yeast. <laughs> exactly. So much depends upon the yeast. Oh, God. Yeah, the whole world. Hey, I have a question. Do you know much about the McLean House? McLean House? Um, Charlie McLean. Did you just the, no? This is the one in South Court, right? Yeah, the big, the, the big place on the, the Phoenix hill. house. Yeah, yeah. Charlie um, Did you call us last week at work? Or no, is, did I do that? No, someone, I didn't do that. Someone else is asking us about that um, yeah. house, and um, I, I'm not clear on when it was built. Um, Alice McLean was a big mucky muck in the um, in the area. Um, he actually had a place on Long Island, um, and so South Court was kind of like her father's summer place. And she actually held there in 1939 this huge barbecue, which Bob Wire took photos of. Mm. So we have these amazing shots of, you know, the the cow being, you know, carved. I mean, there, there were like whole cows there that they were cooking. Right. It was a huge barbecue. It rained, but everyone just put coats over their heads and went on and and uh, seemed to have a great time. And then in 1946, she hosted the International Women's uh, uh, yeah. International Assembly of Women, Eleanor and Eleanor Roosevelt yeah, was yeah. a keynote speaker. And so he took a lot. He took 80 pictures at that event. I mean, most of them were not of Eleanor Roosevelt because she was there for one. This thing went on for like days. Mm. And there's a picture of the women in a session, and they're in the stable. So some of them are sitting in the sleigh. Yeah, that's right. the best seat they could get is they're <laughs> sitting in the sleigh. And so, um, and I don't know, you know, after her passing, when and how the house passed the way it did. But I'm thinking up. her father, I think, is the one that built it. But I don't want to swear to that because, mm. see, I'm the kind of historian that I don't know the answer all the time, but I can find the answer. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, we had some, she, she was a big mover in the, Women's Volunteer Service Organization or something. Oh, she getting, started it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. She did start it. And um, I, I have a feeling she spent her entire fortune on it. Probably did. Because? She was still involved in it. Because in the 50s, Eleanor Roosevelt came to Andes to she speak did? to the Andes Forum. Oh, yeah, we have pictures of that. And she, <laughs> Alice McLean was the one, I think, that escorted her. There was a gentleman, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. It was something Raymond, Benjamin, Ben Raymond. Um, who brought these big-name speakers to Andy's New York. And this was like in the, the mid-'50s, and for a couple of years, he got all these. I mean, they weren't big names so much. Eleanor Roosevelt was the known name, mm. but he had people from all over the world. He had someone from Japan, someone from Korea, and someone from the U.N. And Why doesn't that happen now? <laughs> Why well, does it, I don't think what do we're we the right people to ask that question to. <laughs> yeah, but what oh, does they have it now? Uh, well, listen, if not you, who? I know. Yeah, I, I know. I was yeah, say, yeah. you guys, you, yeah. you guys probably have good a contact as anybody. On the tickler. We, we need to send we need, out some letters. We need the equivalent of Eleanor Roosevelt on who the uh, tickler. Ray, who is the equivalent of Eleanor Roosevelt? Today. Who Today? Is? Who is that? Is that Hillary? No. <laughs> uh, you know, one, That's you, you a, might such have a lightning so. rod, and yeah. I don't oh, know. Okay. Well, I'm, I don't know. We, we, we could say Elizabeth Warren. Um, is she? Uh, but, but she voted for Ben Carson, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, so, about like, Beyonce. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, hey, that might hey, be closer to it. Michelle Obama. 
It's here. Michelle Obama. That's exactly who it okay, is. Okay, let's of course it is. send the letters out. Okay, so we'll get the letters out and get her here probably in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. as we would say to Mark my words. Yeah, we'll have her on this program. Okay. Mm -hmm. Michelle, <laughs> after she's done vacationing, is going to be here. I wonder what they're doing. with us. I wonder what their plan is. Uh, that family. Build wealth. Well, yeah, they're doing that. Yeah. Six and a half million dollar book deal or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but building wealth. But, you know, it's still young people or whatever. It's got to be. They gotta, uh, Maybe they're going to start a new family. Oh, you think so? They could. You know, I was thinking of starting Art, a new family. Art, did, in those pants, forget about it. You're gonna, you I know. get to first base in those pants. And also because I stood in front of <laughs> I cannot believe oh, all the conversations here range. Come and just, on. If you diagram this conversation. Believe you really think this it. is a killer, huh? Listen, if Julian starts a new family in those pants, <laughs> I will put my fortune as You know what? As it is. I'm starting a new family in these pants. Right, well, it's not going out the pants, but it's going to stay in the pants. Just remember, time is a cruel master. The type of baby that would be spawned out of those pants would probably be something in a so, circus, a circus baby. So really, you want a circus baby? So something you, with flippers and so you really, seven heads, <laughs> something with shiny skin. <laughs> so really, you don't think these things are going to work? The pants? Yeah. Well, okay, stand up and shake it a little you bit. Think just, on, you think they're just clown pants? pants? Hang on. It's Can we hear shaking? No, we're, we're going to describe it. Ray, you first. Oh, really? We're going to describe this? Shake it. Oh, it's, well, it's totally the oh, other God, white man. Put that back. I think it's wore him out already. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to procreate, get worn out like that. All right, so no new, no new family. I would, I would not put it past you to start a new family, but you have to find yourself. How are you, are you gonna get married, or are you just gonna hire somebody? I don't know. You know what? I'm not sure I can get married again. How many times have you been married? Four. Right. Well, we don't what want to do, do that, right? do we? You, you've, like, dropped a tone at the end of that. Like, <laughs> yes. like yeah. you don't, you're saying, this guy is not going to give me advice. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah. I thought it was more like he was questioning the number. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I'm surprised it's as small as it is. <laughs> I do not lie about the truth. Um, anyway, I think you've had one marriage. Correct? No, 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 no. I've had, I've had, uh, I've had two official ones. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Congratulations. I know, yeah. The first was Actually, I'm still married. Um, the first was a summer squall, right? <laughs> summer Not knowing about it. Uh, <laughs> and the second one was just a, a Shakespearean sort of Yeah, no, I've much do about everything. Yeah, no, I've done the full I've done the full I've run the full gamut. Yeah. So are you but shy still time, of, are you shy of putting yourself back into the breach because of uh, Well, you know the breach when you're talking about the breach being Delaware County, you're talking about it being like <clears throat> like a breach, like a breach birth type breach. Oh, stop. You know, <laughs> if I were a young man, if I wore a younger man's clothes and I was out there in the game, footloose and fancy. In Delaware County, really? There are so many flowers in this garden that I would just absolutely covet. They Hard workers, they, they would help me on the farm. Right. They would help birth cows. But you've always set the bar fairly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no! Wow. Come on, that was just uh, an easy. That was an easy target. No, no, no. <laughs> Stay on that side. Stay where you are. Uh, well, really, uh, you see listen, all these flowers. You see lots of flowers. It's Julie, like an Edelweiss no, thing going on. No, I can't believe that remark. I, just, I want to tell you, I've known you a long time, and and I've learned from you so much. What? And, what have you learned? Whatever lone note I've got, I learned from you. Um, so. Ray, what do you think? Does he have another shot at the hit it out of the I don't know if ignore, he wants to. Ignore the pants. Go ignore there. The pants. <laughs> look, like, keep, keep, look from the waist up. 
<laughs> Maybe from the neck up? I don't know. <laughs> the, you know, it, it is a proposition that nobody should walk into lightly because marriage and children yeah. leaves you with uh, not only great blessings in terms of passing on your knowledge and your wisdom and your joys, but you're, it's not like you're going to take that thing and put it into the dog pound because you're sick of it. And no. that, that child is with you through thick and thin. You know, there is this interesting thing that happens when the children come on. You've got unconditional love, but the trust, okay, and the respect is conditional. And you've got to teach your kids. That unconditional that love in which like, there's only unconditional love downwards. We have unconditional love for them, but, but they don't have unconditional exactly. love to, for us. Because no. their, a, their job, valve. Yeah, cause their the job same, is to take our unconditional love and, right. and hand it on to the next generation. But it gives us the power. The, that unconditional love, it gives us the power to deal with all of the, you know, what that goes on sure. in the game. Mm. Um, and but it's also redemption. Like, because I never really wanted to have children because I was so egocentric and taking care of my own thing or whatever. But actually it turned out to be now I feel like it was a complete redemption for me. Yeah. Here, here. It's given me a second half to my life. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed that you have uh, positively glowed since children uh, started to grow and talk back to you <laughs> after you gave them permission to talk to you. Although Dusty skiing today was a bit of a drag because she wasn't into it. It's a bummer when your kids are not into something that you've got well, all to try to do. To inspire them and show them the way. Right. Ray, you don't have any children. No, I do not. But you have you an have entire... You have cats. You have cats. We all yeah, know about cats. And, you know, and I love my cats, but it's not children, you know. But you've got an entire town <laughs> so... to take care of. Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. I and mean, you, you know, I try. You know, <laughs> you probably do not hear this, but the town of Bovina adores you, and they look up to you. They say things That's like totally this. That's totally true. It is totally true. If Ray had been my teacher in the, in the fifth grade, I probably would have turned out to be something better than I am. Um, they, they say things like, if Ray had been an influence in my life, my curiosity about the world would have really been turned Well, you know what? It's kind of true because in a, <clears throat> in a little village, everything's so factionalized and yeah. everything's kind of whatever. But you actually, in some way, you're, you're, a, little bit, uh, you're a little bit untouchable from I'm, both sides. I'm kind of on the cusp because I'm someone who grew up in Bovina. Then I did go away. I went to college and I actually lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, lived in the Hudson Valley for quite a while. And, you know, and then it was kind of just an amazing stroke of luck that allowed me to do early retirement and come back to Bovina full time. You know, and my my dad never understood why I didn't spend all my vacation time in Bovina. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, he didn't understand, like, my wanting to go to other places in yeah. the world and all mm -hmm. that. And to a point sometimes there was an occasional tension about that issue that I'd tell him, you know, I'm, I'm going to England or something. Well, why do you want to go there? Bovina's so wonderful, yeah, you know? You. And, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and that was the thing. Because as I grew up, now my dad and mine's relationship was, Oh, you know, right. never really fractious or anything like that, but it was interesting that I came back from my first ever overseas trip, and he had, he picked me up at the airport, but the next morning, you know, he gets me up, and it's like, okay, you know, what do you want me to work on? He goes, well, no, I just wanted to see if you wanted to, you know, and he was like asking for my help on something instead what? of telling me, and I mean, it was a sea change in the relationship right there, because then I talked to my mom, and I said, what is going on with dad? And she says, he missed you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I just, you know, I just kind of decided I had to look at my dad totally differently. Mm. And so, you know, we, and, and our, one of our big common interests was local history. 
we just, you know, we just loved going on about local history. Sweet. And I do find it, you know, I'm historian because he's passed away. But boy, there's times when it's like, you know, I've got a conundrum. It's like if dad were here, he'd have the answer. Right, right, Partly because right. it's either something he remembered or he had heard or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, well, the apples have not fallen far from the tree. Yeah, but, but yeah, you know, he, I mean, he spent his whole life in Bovina. So, um, but. But yeah, it's you know because I've been watching the town evolve and change and so what do you and, think now? Um, you know, I think change is good. My dad really was starting to have serious the last couple of years because he wasn't feeling well anyway, and it kind of bothered him. And and my long, feeling is communities always change. But how long ago was that? What part of change was he watching? Oh, he was about 15 years ago. So, so it was, was kind of what's going on now. Right. With, you know, because, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, weekend people. And when I was growing up, we called them city people mm-hmm. and um, things like that. But now it's so and, much more rapid, yeah? You've seen Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it is. In the last and, two or three but, years. But, you know, there's exciting things going on, you know, right in the hamlet with the, the creamery is going to be actually making dairy products right, again. Right, right. And there's just all kinds of cool, exciting things going on. And I'm just like, you know. Is that universally welcomed? I think actually most people are really happy about it. The creamery. I really, I really feel the creamery in particular. Because it was a creamery. I think because it was a creamery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the people who, you know, I can remember when it was used as a creamery mm. and the milk cans and all that. So I think they're excited about it. And then, of course, the people who are the quote-unquote newbies um, are also excited about yeah. it just in terms of the products that are going to come out of there. Well, it's also helpful that it's, um, that it's John and it's a local yeah. person. Yeah. It's not someone coming yes. from the outside. Yes, and that helps a lot. So yeah. I just, all the way around, I find that really exciting. And when I did my history program last year on bovina butter, I did it not knowing this whole thing was coming up with a creamery. So the timing was very serendipitous, but it was very... Uh, but it does feel like it's a little bit on fire, more so than... I mean, I've been there for 18, 19 years. I would say in the last five years, yes. Yeah. It's just, a, I, I think, you know, because we're, you know, we're starting to show up in, you know, different, you know, magazines, All over the newspapers, the world. All over you know, the world. Hamptons of the North yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So How why? What, why are we showing up? What, if you took 500 people anywhere else in the world in, like Bovina, mm. what is it that we've got going on that differentiates us from all of the rest? I, I, I don't think it's one item. I think it's a factor of we're not all that far from the city. Yeah, you know, yeah but so we, I think we, that's part of it. Um, I, I just think, but I think at some point there's a certain set of people <clears throat> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Steve here and, and, you know, just in terms of some of the stuff you're doing and, you know, and the whole the, the whole farming bovina organization and the work in terms of trying to, you know, make bovina a place where people can go to and actually earn a living. I think also it hasn't hurt that with Internet and stuff like that, people can do a job anywhere they live, Yeah, you know, and uh, they don't have to like live in the city or live in a certain place and they can do their work from home. And I, I would think that's at least part of the factor too. Yeah, I think those are reasonable, but, but Julian, it, Julian believes that there's a crack in the earth. Well, and I, out of it oozes a narcotic well, vapor. That well, we can't, no, we can't do that. Day. We do that. We do that every time. We can't do that every time, but that, it is interesting <laughs> how it, how it jumped over other, because when you say it's a certain distance away from the city, yeah. It's further away from the city than other places that have been neglected or whatever. Right. There's something about this scene that right yeah. now has happened. But I think it is a zeitgeist thing. I think when you're, I mean, I think it's multiple things. But I think people, this is something that we've been having a lot of conversations about recently. You know, the uh, the idea of coming up here and swanning around in like a fancy hotel like the Hamptons or whatever, that doesn't really exist. There's this type of tourism that exists right now where people 
want to pretend to get their hands dirty, to put on a pair of boots, to go back to the land. There's all this farm-to-table stuff. There's all the whatever. So it's a kind of playing at having an Arcadian fantasy thing, and we're the perfect scene yeah, for that. You know, that's, that's well put. And, but it's interesting that back in the 60s, when we used to have these places where people would come up for a week to spend um, a vacation, yeah. and they were working farms. Yeah. Um, you know, there was uh, the Suits Us Farm up on Pink Street, and there was the one up on Crescent Valley Road. And so, you know, these, here's these kids, you know, learning how a cow is milked and, right. and hay and all that. So, you know, so that was kind of the predecessor of that. But I think, yeah, but I think that now <clears throat> they don't they don't want to get that deep into it. They just want to play around the edges of that. Like they want to float down. Like they don't want to swim in a swimming pool. They want to swim in a pond because it's a yeah. little bit dirty. Or they want to or they want to float right. down the river on a on a tractor tire because that's kind of rustic enough. Um, but now, Steve, what brought you to Bavaria? Yeah, you've been here a while, yeah, but not like forever. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you you're don't, a, you don't a ask Iowa the farm kid who, you know, was in the city. And how did you end up in Bavaria? Well, there's a very simple triptych answer to that. Okay. To why I came to Bovina. Serendipity, <laughs> synergism, and sex. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no interest in the first two. What's yeah. the, what, what, what was the last bit? Uh, it's a word that you're Did you just come up with those three <laughs> S's, or have you practiced this over again? Is your life just a series of well-practiced anecdotes? Did you just come up with three S's? You didn't, did you? You got that, like, in your back I'll, pocket. I'll leave you yeah, like, uh, And you were saying, like, I wonder if I said this before. Uh, so I came up to Bovina because I was exiting a marriage, and um, I was losing everything, and I needed a, a new place. And it, before Bovina was Bovina... Bovina was extremely affordable. Yeah. And so, you know, it was another it was another 45 minutes from where I had my weekend home. Where was that? Phoenicia. Ah. Okay. And and I came up here and there was a sign pounded onto a pole that said house and pond for sale. And it was like a Burma shave thing. I followed the signs <laughs> and there there was this little um, log cabin, shell of a log cabin and a little pond. And I looked at it and I said, "This is my perfect butt hut, man. This is where I'm going to come perfect drive what? motorcycles and drink." Excuse me. Perfect what? Butt hut. What does that mean? It means a place where you park your butt. Oh. And, and you know, low maintenance, lot of fun, drink oh. beer, ride motorcycles, and. Uh, so the marriage was over. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, this and was, you weren't. And there wasn't. This was a transitional creature. But there wasn't. Right so you were comp- You were on your. You were roaming alone. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I've always had something attached to my finger, but essentially alone. <laughs> well, you're, What's attached to your finger now? Uh, attached to my finger. I, no more. It's a, a firm handshake grip. Oh, wow. With, uh, with my but, love. So Bovina was your rebound girl? Oh, that's so sweet. Rebound girls usually don't work. I mean, rebound relationships as a rule yeah. don't. He's so. been married four but times. But this one's been, been married yeah, four times. But, but I think, I think he's been Bovina longer than any of his marriages. Uh, you're absolutely Oh, right. my God. Has Bovina outlived well, any of your marriages? Ray is totally. What's your longest marriage? And. Well, I just want to... No, 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 no. What's Ray, your longest marriage? I, I really do compliment you for nailing it. And I do think that the rebound girl doesn't last long, but this was the exception that yeah, makes the rule. Yeah. Um, and Bovina has been the shape of my heart uh, for longer than my longest marriage. And my longest marriage was, I think, six, 15 years. Oh, that's quite long. And I've been in Bovina since 1988. 
Wow. wow. We're coming on your 30th anniversary yeah, here. So yeah. We need so to have a party next year. longer than me. A very, very committed relationship to right. Albina. And, I, and she, she really does still shake it, and she, she wiggles it, and she absolutely um, beguiles me. <laughs> I hear music. Is that okay. just music that's oh, coming from your me. voice? Or stand, is it like, uh, is that Julian, stand up and shake that thing again. <laughs> What's going on? Is that music you're making, or is that just music that's happening? I think that all of us feel that way about Bovina. Or is it something in the soup? <laughs> <laughs> you really do hear music. <laughs> yeah, I do. I hear it, too. Uh, it's... it's I ate a little bit of gluten. It's it's <laughs> oh, my lower it's that tract. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's very tuneful. It's a very tuneful <laughs> form of you. gluten intolerance you have. You hear that oboe? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it, really that's the picture. Is that an oboe? I, I'd I was say thinking a, more a, a very odd woodwind. A bassoon. Family. I was thinking yeah, or a sousaphone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the theater oh. of the mind. Mm. So, Ray, ha having been born in Bovina. And having it as your wallpaper, if you will, the background of your life, yeah. you see it very differently than transplants like Julian and I. We're city people that came up here and fell in love and, and unlikely to leave any time soon. Um, but for you, having this as your, if you will, mistress forever, has it lost its allure or does it reinvent itself for you? I, I would like to think the latter. Because um, as a kid, yeah, I think I don't know if I really appreciated what I was living in, you know, because it's like, yeah, it's what I grew up with, you know, all these you know, lovely mountains and all that. And uh, and then when I was in college and started having like friends, I only went to school, school like 45 minutes away, I went to Oneonta. And I'd bring friends from there over, and they would just be blown away by it. And oh, and I've because they're from Long Island, you know, Long Island's so flat, yeah. and here they are in a place with all these mountains, and they'd just be blown away by it. And I think so that kind of started me taking a look at it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I ever like disliked it or anything like that. At some point, I did my when I moved to Washington D.C. It was about the biggest argument I ever had with my dad. He really was not happy that I was was moving away, and I was like, you know, I really need to get out on my own. I, you know, I've always either been in college or lived with my folks, and I need to do this. And we worked it out. I actually sent him a very long letter, kind of explaining what it was all about. And uh, and then once I had kind of at least a stable job in Washington, I think because he was a little concerned about me moving, I moved down there without a job. So. Um, and uh, but you know I loved coming back to visit when I was in Washington and uh, you know and then once I moved to the Hudson Valley I was coming back you know pretty frequently and then he you know had basically a spare house he had bought the house next to the house I grew up in because he wanted the land and at some point he says you know I'm going to sell the house he says do you want to buy it so we were oh you had to buy it. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, I got it at a pretty decent price, so, yeah. you know, but, but, but it, well, because I bought it, but it was still about what the market value was. Uh -huh. mm. So, no, I, I really, I didn't want him to just give it to me. I mean, you know, my dad still, you know, he had expenses and such like that. And actually, I, um, I, uh, and, and then so I, but he held the mortgage and I just wrote the mortgage check. In fact, uh, Ended up that, you know, he passed away before the mortgage was done, and so then my mom, and so, uh, and then when my, both my parents were gone, um, my sisters basically inherited the mortgage, so two-thirds of it went to them, and then, of course, you know, I didn't have to pay part of it, so, but it wasn't. You've led a charmed life. I could, yeah, and I, I mean, it worked, it's worked out very well um, that I had the house, and, and, uh, and that I still have it, and, uh, 
you know, it's a little, you know, it's a little clunky in spots, but it's a great house. The setting is wonderful. People love the porch because the porch is great. You know, and the view out there is just, you know, I mean, incredible. So, and, I, and of course, it has you. And, and. Well, I always wonder about that because, you know, I, you know, I have that visceral attachment to where I grew up, although I went to boarding school and everything, but I do have a visceral attachment to Yorkshire. Which is visceral, just on the level of the way the light shines, the way the land meets the sky, all that kind of stuff. It's strange for me to think that that's exactly what my kids will have from Bavina, because I don't yeah. have that. I mean, yeah. I, I can sit there and I can look at it like a postcard or whatever, but there's not. I can appreciate what's amazing about it, but yeah. there isn't a fundamental connection to it. It's like I'm looking at any scene or well, whatever. But they do feel that. I and love, that actually separates us. I love all the kids that we have growing up in Bovina. I think it's just, you know, it's actually yeah. amazing. When, when Bovina broke 600 in its population in 2000, and someone said to my dad about it and said, oh, it's you know, all these city people. And he goes, well, no, they're not really part of the sense. He says, look around. There's families here. There's yeah, kids yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they're, you know, they're full-time people living here. And uh, so I, that's a project I want to do before the town's bicentennial is I want to actually sit down and interview these kids on tape. What, how do you feel growing up in oh, Bovina? Oh, you should totally do, do it. Do it now. You should totally do that. Not well, wait for I them do. to do the memory later. Well, also, you've got a very articulate little uh, crowd of kids at the moment. Who uh, yeah, be, we do. There's some great team. kids. Yeah. 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 Well, I would say without reservation, Ray, that having dinner with you, Yes. And of course, with Julian, it's, has been um, defining. Oh. And, and a pleasure. It defines something. Yeah. Uh, and, we're going to have to work out what it defines. And it was later. good food, too. No. Yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> good soup. Um, we want more. Can you say tomato for us? Tomato. Tomato, thank you. And can you say. And Montecatini? <laughs> the restaurant's going to be such a success for <laughs> Montecatini, <laughs> tomato, <laughs> crostini. <laughs> Will you wear your pants? I'll Please. wear my pants. Why? Well, I, I never take them off. Okay. <laughs> um, words sometimes fail in being able to say thank you after such a gracious, lovely dinner. Um, so I, I won't even say it. Um, until next time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I know. Uh, until next time, Yeah. we... We're playing music. Yeah. Okay. Are we supposed to hear something? You are supposed to hear Steve making weird noises and, and starting to panic but slightly. I'm not panicking. No, no, he's not hey, panicking. Captain, what do you think? Yeah. Captain's going to be on and uh, save us from. Save us from. Yeah. Trust to be a.